Are you guys excited to do the West or what? Dude, I'm pumped. Hey, I'm pumped sweet. for this. That's actually sweet. See this? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You oh, wait, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I just oh. kind of... Oh, I let's go NBA playoffs. Our predictions into like um, actual out. standings. So, oh, dude, let's like, go, baby. NBA! As you can see, me and Shannon have the exact same playoff predictions for the East. Let's go. And Kellen has basically the same, except he's got the Raptors at seven and the Pacers at six. Right on. Dude, that that, that sweatshirt is pretty cool, though. Thanks, bro. I'm hyped. I think I saw one something like that. I think I... I think I was like, I don't know. I feel like I showed it to you, Jonas. Something similar to that a while ago. I don't Where'd remember. You get it from? I think it was a gray one though. Uh, eBay. Oh, yeah, nice. I remember back at the uh, back when we used to be able to go to Blazer games and we'd get there like ninety minutes early. We would yeah. we would spend some of the time looking at Blazer gear on eBay. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, dude. We definitely, dude. As soon as we can go, we need to get oh, all three of us baby. out in that thing. I I cannot wait to get back in the Moda Center. Bro, when we have well, all three of us have to go when um, the dubs come to town, dude. We just because I can probably get the student pass too now. Yeah, we can oh, just buy hella, We can just buy three tickets, just random places, and then just sit wherever we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I told Kellen about. Um, I'm not gonna say it on the podcast, a because I don't want us to get in trouble, and b because I don't want anybody else to catch on to our trip. But, if everyone's but, doing it, it won't work. <laughs> yeah, but me and Shannon have the system absolutely rigged and yeah opinion. dude it's they might as well not even like they might as well not even charge us to get in at this point dude <laughs> jonah you have the whole process down from like the traveling to the arrival i've never been to portland and back so fast in my entire life like <laughs> awesome yeah it's yeah. crazy but we me and jonah literally had like the worst case scenario and still came out successful yeah i mean yeah yeah. It's oh, in pretty terms much, of like, yeah, I know. You mean. It's pretty much no fail. Yeah. Cause yeah. We, we've been to the freaking trenches and pulled ourselves right out of them and sat like eight rows back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wait, I think I know. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, I, I told you about it. I think yeah. one time, but it's sick. It's okay. smart. All right. So should, are you guys ready to get into the West? Let's go baby. The, the West. West. I, was, I already know who I think is going. I already know my uh, playoff seating. Oh, look at that beautiful team right there. Can we can we save Golden State for last? I want to write it now. Yeah. In fact, I had an idea that we could do it a little bit differently than last okay. time. I was thinking, what if we just kind of like did like what Shannon was saying, our own rankings and kind of started from the top of the conference and just worked our way down? I like that. Let's do okay. that. So Shannon, do you want to lead us off? Who did you no. have number one? Hang on. Let, give me a sec. Let me write them down so I make sure I have it right. Okay. Yeah. No problem. What are you writing down, Shannon? Just my uh, rank top eight. I will say before I um, before we get started, I bumped up in my Eastern Conference predictions. I moved the Raptors from thirty nine wins to forty wins. So if it doesn't seem like the numbers add up for my picks, it's because I gave the Raptors an extra win in the East. Gotcha, Jonas. Does yours make wait, sense wait. all across the board? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I feel so dumb. I'll just do something close to what you guys do. I don't even care about that, honestly. Okay, wait. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Who's next? I don't think the Warriors are next on my. Bro. Wait, can, can you scroll down? I need to see the other teams because I'm forgetting oh, someone. Yeah. You can't yeah, no name off the top of your head? Oh, wait, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I remember. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> okay, I have my I have my top eight. All right, let's go. 
Man, look at that, dude. The Nuggies. Okay, so what's Vegas got my Warriors at? They've got them at 39. Mm. Nice. Okay. Anything over 500 is solid. Yeah, lead us off with the number one seed in the West. Okay, for me, in the 2021 season, the number one seed in the West will be the regular season champions of the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, that makes sense. And how many wins are these Lakers going to be getting? Oh, wait, what's Vegas say? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Damn. So I was going to give these Lakers 49 wins, actually. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's a good pick. 49? Yes, sir. I think they have uh, the roster to be, you know, even if there's like load management and stuff like that, they're going to get some serious regular season wins. Yeah. I'm going to go go with – Oh man, I'm gonna say they win 50, 50 games. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good pick too. I thought about fifty, but I didn't want to give them the confidence. <laughs> you don't want to see the fifty there, dude. Fifty twenty two. That's a dang good. I don't need season. LeBron looking at that fifty on here. And I'm gonna go with Shannon with a forty nine wins. Yes, sir. Really with thinking the Lakers? outside the box. We There's nothing better than when Jonah picks the same number as you, man. We kind of. <laughs> Already know this is going to be a very um, good regular season team. And I think the additions of Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell, even if I didn't like the reasons they acquired them for, I think those are going to be guys who help them quite a bit in the regular season because their offense won't go straight into the toilet whenever either LeBron or Anthony Davis is off the floor. They kind of have a second look to throw at teams now, similarly to how Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams were both effective on the court together during the regular season last year when Kawhi and Paul George weren't the fulcrums of the offense. So I think the Lakers have that going for them this year. Can I just, can we talk just for a second about what we think of the off season the Lakers had? Cause I don't think I've talked about this with Shannon yet before. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Terry, um, what did you think of these moves? So I remember, I think I texted you about this, but mm-hmm. or just like one thing, but I, I am not feeling like it would be impossible for us to see what we saw in 2018 or maybe it was 2017, 17 or 18 when the Cavs ended up getting like Isaiah Thomas and, uh, or like, then there was a the year they got like Dwayne Wade and they're just adding all these pieces yeah. in that, like on paper, like, yeah, these are good players. And then on the mm-hmm. courts, like this isn't really working out. And so this year you have them build this championship season, which I mean, granted there were other things that, you know, the Warriors were injured all season, the Clippers choked, the Blazers were injured all season, and we ended up with the Heat in the finals, all these things going on. But they still put together a championship, and there's still this squad that built that chemistry in the bubble, and then you 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 break a lot of the pieces apart, and you give up a guy like Rondo, who did as much as anyone else for the Lakers in the playoffs. Yeah. And Dwight Howard, who was huge for them. I mean, part of their success was their size. You ship out Dwight Howard, and you get an undersized center in Montrezl Harrell. I mean, there's changes that, like, theoretically makes sense. Or, like, Marcus Saul, he's pretty slow. He's not Dwight Howard, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's things that theoretically, yeah, these are good players you're adding, but does it work out on the court? Is it the same thing when you add these players? You never know what kind of chemistry you're going to end up with. Yeah, and I love your point about Dwight Howard because we saw the Lakers almost concede this in the uh, NBA Finals that their best lineups and the lineups they're going to play in the high leverage situations 
have Anthony Davis at center. Like that just Mm -hmm. makes so much more sense from an offensive perspective. You get so much more spacing and Anthony Davis is obviously one of the best rim protectors in the league. So you're not giving much up on defense, but we saw during the regular season, like Anthony Davis for good reason does not want to play center um, for a 72 or 82 game regular season. Like he just doesn't want to have to bang with those seven footers all game long and have that sort of wear and tear. So we saw them play guys like Anthony or like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee next to Anthony Davis. And the theory behind that was always like, sure, you're sacrificing on offense and your spacing is going to be kind of jacked up, but you're making up for it by having awesome defense and just insane room protection and just a ton of like, and just like two seven foot shot blockers clogging up the paint and making it impossible for opponents to get anything at the basket. That's why the Montrezl hero thing just kind of left me scratching my head because you're not improving the spacing. Like that's going to be just as much of an issue as it would have been with Howard or McGee. And he's not a rim protector. Like Anthony Davis, all of a sudden is going to be your most qualified guy in the paint, blocking shots, guarding centers. Like Montrez doesn't have the physical profile to guard a lot of the elite centers in the NBA. Right. So that just made no sense to me. And I think that's just more bruising on AD. Wait, did they keep JaVale or not? No, he's in Cleveland now. So (laughs) And so when you and when you look at Trez and um, Dennis Schroeder, who they also acquired, it just feels very much like yay points to me. Like Rob Polinka right. just is throwing all these like high scoring guys together, and I don't necessarily think it's going to work out. I, I like Schroeder for him quite a bit. Yeah, me too. But I definitely agree with you. You you had Javale and Dwight just desperate to play, coming in the game and just giving all of their energy, trying to prove themselves, blocking shots and just bullying guys and you don't have that Marcus Saul's not coming in to do that anymore he's we saw I I saw I was looking into it and he kind of saw a decline in play towards the end of the season last year and just last year like he wasn't his championship self anymore yeah absolutely and one last thing with the Montrez Harrell signing is that the Lakers spent the full mid-level exception on him and the full mid-level exception, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, it goes a long ways because not very many teams have that much spending power and not very many teams can make their money go as far as the Lakers can. People want to come play in LA. People want to come take a discount to play with the Lakers. So the Lakers could have used that opportunity of having that resource to bring in a guy who could theoretically be a part of the closing lineup and be a guy who's out on the floor in game seven of like the Western conference finals or like in the NBA finals. And instead they brought a guy in with Montrezl Harrell, who, even if he does work out and even if he is as good as he was last year, when he won the six man of the year in the regular season, even if he hits that performance benchmark, he still won't make sense in their closing lineup whatsoever. Like he won't be able to play next to Anthony Davis. So yeah. And that was the thing. Nah, go ahead. Yeah, if I'm the Lakers, it just makes no sense to spend my most precious resource on a guy who won't be able to close games for me. Right, and then the the thing with the Lakers to me that I saw throughout all their series is they were bigger than everyone. Like the Lakers, we the Blazers, we all got injured just playing against them. They were so big and so physical. Yeah, Montrez is physical, but he's not big. It's not the same. Like, okay, let's look at the Blazers now. They added a bunch of physical bigs. Like, that's not a problem for us anymore. And then another thing was you see them get rid of Danny Green. Yeah, you bring in Wesley Matthews, but Wesley Matthews isn't Danny Green. Like, that's a hole now. And they keep KCP, but he's not Danny Green either, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Jonah, would you have just preferred them keep Dwight and JaVale? 
um, as and opposed bring, bring in yeah, another just, guy. Yeah, because the opportunity cost for bringing in Montrez was so high. So I I would have traded Javel McGee to make room for Mark Gasol, like they ended up doing. But I probably would have kept Dwight Howard around, assuming he would have come back on like, assuming he would have come back on a minimum, which is what I, he's yeah. done in Philadelphia, which is a big assumption to make. Like I don't know that yeah. he would have stayed on a minimum, but. I don't know that this was been would have been possible. I don't know what their contracts look like, but definitely Sergi Baca would have made a lot more sense than Montres Harrell. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's it's gonna be interesting uh, to see how it works out. I mean it's still like LeBron and Anthony Davis, which is right, why exactly. I think they'll win the regular season, but yeah. And um I, it seems like Serge kind of wanted to go play with Kawhi. Kawhi right. Yeah. But yeah. I hundred percent agree that would have made a lot more sense. Do you want to take us to your number two overall well, team? How are we going to do this? Because our number twos, I'm sure, are going to be different. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you do your number two. And if they are different, I'll do my number two. Okay. We can just do it like that. Okay. So, for me. Just to be clear, I had the Lakers as my number one as well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, for me, my number two with 47 wins in the regular season is your Portland Trailblazers. Baby. Wait, you put them in the number two seed? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell I mean, you I why. Can... The thing is, I can see it, actually. I'm not even going to argue with you. Let me tell you why. Yes, 47 wins. You look at our first half of the schedule, we're not going to lose more than 12 or 13 games. We, I don't even know if we'll lose 10 games in the first half of our schedule. Like, this is, this is serious. And one thing that I think about the Portland Trailblazers, we made two starter changes, and I think we're going to have the best chemistry or one of the best chemistry teams in the NBA because – the players that we added are seamless to put onto any roster. And we have like, so say, I think it's more likely than out of the two that maybe DJJ doesn't work out as well as Roko in the starting. Like maybe there's more growing pains with that. I just feel like Roko is so established in his role and Derek Jones is still kind of finding that a little bit, but I mean, we can always start Rodney Hood instead. We can always start Carmelo instead. Like we have so many guys, like our chemistry is just going to be crazy. And we, we, we fixed our problems. We fixed the size problem and the defensive problem at the wing like I, I think this is definitely good enough to be a second seeded team after seeing the first half schedule, especially. Absolutely. And when you look at the Blazers, obviously you look at offense first, like the offense has been top six in the NBA three out of the last five years. I think it's been top three for the last two years and the offense got better this year. It just yeah. got better. Like at any point you're going to have at least two, but probably three elite, elite shooters. So that's mm-hmm. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And then Rodney Hood and Gary Trent would slide into that. Um, and Robert Covington as well. Bro, you guys have so many good players. It's actually wild. Yeah. And then <laughs> oh you're, my guaranteed, you're guaranteed to have at least three, but probably four above average three-point shooters. So throw Covington into that mix. Throw... Um, Mellow, honestly. Yeah, yeah throw Mellow into that mix. Probably not Derek Jones Jr. right away, but maybe he gets there. I yeah, maybe that. he gets there. Zach Collins, again, like, will probably fall just short of that benchmark, but still a respectable shooter. Same with Nurkic. Nurkic is getting respect out there now. We saw that in the bubble. That's a great point, too. Yeah, Nurkic even as well. So the offense is going to be good. Like, the starting lineup, they've said, is going to be Dame, CJ, Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., um, and Nurkic and that's a very let's go that's a very solid offensive lineup and does a great job of balancing offense and defense 
throw Gary Trent Jr. in there instead of Derek Jones Jr. And that's that's just nasty on offense, <laughs> honestly. Like yeah. that Rodney Hood. Or Rodney Hood. Like those two lineups can easily be the most efficient offensive line lineup in the NBA. There's no question in my mind. That's just filthy. And so every single one of those players is capable of scoring at a high level. Yeah. That's no really, really no rare on an NBA roster. No kidding. And then we broaden defenders who are not only versatile and then will help us run a variety of schemes, which is just was just something that was out of the question for us last year. But also if we do choose to just go into the, yeah, like your standard vanilla Terry Stotts hard drop coverage, they'll like fit beautifully in that as well because Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. are two of the best help defenders in the league. Both of them, as um, Neil O'Shea kept bragging about, are in the 80th percentile of both the blocks and steals category. So Covington and Derek Jones just have tremendous noses for the ball, which will help our defense out a ton, especially with Damon CJ. Oftentimes those two guys allow penetration and just to have two guys who will step up and make the right read every time is just going to be so huge for us. Well, Derek Jones, you know, I don't know if he'll make the right read every time. He's still kind of learning, but Robert Covington will. Yeah. Sure. And, and just have, oh, go ahead. And then having Zach and Nurk, just two mm-hmm. awesome rim protectors back there. This defense is going to be, I think top 10, the offense is going to be top five. That's a I would say top three, honestly, top three. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But yeah. just to add to the, yeah, to the point of the, offensive threat like not only are these guys capable of score scoring i don't even say about i don't even need to say about one through four but even nurkic we're multifaceted scores like every one of those players can shoot it and get to the basket like it's not like a situation because the first thing i thought of was well, okay what about the lakers montrez harrell can't shoot it you know what i'm saying like no. it's so rare to have five players who can not only score but can score in different ways yeah absolutely and it's such a help too to have Nurkic be a capable passer because for all oh, yeah. for all we love about Damian Lillard, like the passing's not necessarily a strong suit. Mm-hmm. So to have Nurkic on like a short roll to kind of bail Dame out, and then you can trust Nurk to either find Gary Trent or Robert Covington in the corner or throw a lob to Jerick Jones slashing to the basket. Just having that sort of fallback option for Dame, yeah, knowing Nurk will make the right read is just going to be something that helps out this offense a lot. And you couldn't say the same thing about Hassan Whiteside last year. And we still right. had a top oh, yeah. three offense. So, And it's like, it's so bad for other teams because you have no choice but to guard Damian Lillard like 30 feet out. Like you have no choice because he'll just shoot it every time and he'll <laughs> yeah. like 40% of the time. So you have to go all the way up there. And then if you set a screen, Nurkic is wide open in the middle because you also have to guard CJ McCollum and Gary Trent Jr. And now Robert Covington in the corners. You can't sag off of these guys. So the middle's wide open and Nurkic is there by himself. So either he has a dunk or someone's helping and there's a wide open shot or a slash. Like it's, it's scary. This team is ridiculous. The over under set up 41 wins. That's free money. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'll go 40. I'll go 45, 45. That's good. Sounds good. Dude, yeah, dude, I'm actually kind of scared. Like, if the war, I mean, if the Blazers can stay healthy, I mean, yeah, it's the health, yeah, for sure. Because they're going to have the depth to make deep runs. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even talk about bringing like Ennis Cantor and what that does. Yeah, I would say before we move on, my one concern for this Blazers team would be at the backup point guard spot. Obviously, we all hope Anthony Simons can turn into that guy. 
And um, I mean, I, I definitely think he can. Um, whether he will this year is a different question. But um, I thought the same thing, but watching all their press conferences, they a lot of them address that thing. And I, I'm not worried about it anymore because the, the message was clear. You have Dame or CJ running point guard 95% of the time. Right. And, and yeah, yeah. Anthony and Simons why. is as capable as anyone else that's playing point guard for 5% of a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I'm not too worried. It's just because you can stagger Dame and CJ, which is what we've done pretty much nonstop for the past right. like five years. And so it would be nothing new. Honestly, if Anthony Simons progresses, that's just a luxury for this Blazers right. team. Yeah. So, but you're absolutely right. Like staggering Dame and CJ has been work out so well for us in the past that there's no reason to be like scared of having to do that mm-hmm. again. So like it would not have been worth like prioritizing a point guard over Derek Jones Jr. or something like that. Oh yeah. No, no question about it. So I guess I'll move on to who I had as the number two seed. And I did have the Blazers as my number three seed one game behind the team I had at number two, which is, Again, the LA Clippers back. That's fair. Mm, yeah, I had them at forty-seven wins. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I have the Clippers at the three seed at forty-six wins. Yeah, that's funny. So we just have them completely reversed. It's one game, game, dude. Like, yeah, that really means nothing. Yeah, it's one bounce of the ball. So yeah, basically, you going with Vegas on this one? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So I really hope that this Clippers team kind of comes out with a chip on their shoulder like they got they got embarrassed by the nuggets like there's no other way yeah. to and they faced non-stop like a non-stop brigade on like their chemistry and just people kind of saying that this team doesn't fit together and can't win together and so i really hope the clippers come out with a chip on their shoulder and try to prove those wrong but in prove those like people wrong but in reality as much as i like this clippers team i just don't think they're built for the regular season and that's not a criticism of the way this roster was constructed if anything that's a compliment but i just think they have a lot of guys who make more sense in the playoffs like yeah. Kawhi leonard paul george they're two best players they're, they're, those are guys who like to isolate and create shots um for themselves but not not so much two guys who really are great players within like the flow of right and especially of a regular season game yeah and yeah absolutely and that's and that's why we love those two guys in particular Kawhi so much is because if opposing defenses can really focus in in the playoffs which is what so often happens and kind of throw a wrench into the offensive machine offensive systems oftentimes fail but Mm -hmm. to have a guy like Kawhi and a guy like Paul George who just are kind of creating their own shots and relying more on -on one-on-one skill anyway those players become very valuable in the playoffs CJ McCollum same deal there so that's so and so I think this team is really well constructed again for the playoffs I think Serge Ibaka is going to help them a lot but I just think their offense is a little bit too station to station in the regular season I just think they probably have a lot of guys who are going to load manage, probably not right. engaged. So I don't think they'll be a dominant regular season team, but I think 47 and 25 sounds about right. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like I said, I was only one game different. So yeah. I do think the addition of search helps them a lot. Mm-hmm. Me, yeah, that'll me too. Shoot, dude, I might as well. I'll just, I'll go, I'll just go with Vegas on this one. I'll go, yeah. I'll go 47 and 25. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. 
What's going to be, are you guys four seeds different? Uh, I honestly, I, you might have someone else. I have Denver at four. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. nice. Let's go. <laughs> That's it. Oh, as they've got Denver as... winning 44. Damn. Um, damn. I don't know if I can give him 44. So what, so my three was at 46. Well, um, oh wait, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have Denver as my four seed. Oh really? Yeah. Do you want to say who you have? Do you want to talk about Denver first? I don't care. We can go either way. Let's talk about your four seed first. One sec. Is 36 and 36 a little generous? For who? The Rockets. Yeah, I would probably. I yeah. that's more than what I give them, but it's they're the Rockets are a crapshoot at this point. Mm-hmm. My four seed was the Utah Jazz. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. To okay, me, okay. like the Jazz and the Nuggets wow. are like the same team. I don't know. I feel like they're really similarly like I don't know talent wise. I don't know why. I yeah, just think of best, them as one and the same. And their best players the center, and they have both have dynamic young guards. Spider. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. they are very similar for sure. So how many games do you have uh, Utah winning? So Utah, I have them at 43 wins. Okay. Let's, should we talk jazz for a little bit? Sure, let's do it. Convince okay. me because I have them quite a bit lower than four. You think Rudy really? Gobert is the best player on the jazz? Well, not that much, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the jazz are a team that really disappointed me last year um this is a kind of an embarrassing subject to go back to for me but <laughs> let's do it anyway i said last year that the jazz would have the best regular season record and oh, no and just to the extent in which they did not have the best regular season record in the nba was very disheartening to me especially they struggled a lot early in the regular season but i still think the infrastructure is in place for this team to just be so good on both sides of the ball because on offense, you've got two really solid ball handlers like Donovan Mitchell, elite scorer, Mike Conley, a great decision maker, great player in the pick and roll. And combine that with the best screen setter in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, and elite floor spacing, whether it's Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, not as much, but still can shoot a little bit. Same goes for George Niang. I just think that is a recipe for a very solid offense. And Quinn Snyder as a coach, I generally like the schemes that he could come up with. So I found myself like kind of really attracted to what I thought this team could be last year. And it just never really came together. Like the chemistry was off. Bogdanovich obviously got injured before the bubble and didn't play in the seeding games or the playoffs, but I really, I really still think that offense could work. And then last year, the defense took a step back, which was probably the biggest, um, which was probably the biggest thorn in the side of this jazz team. And a lot of people blamed that on the departure of Derek favors, that twin towers lineup with favors and Gobert was just, would just stifle opponents so much defensively, even if it's not the most modern offensive lineup And Favors is back this year. And I don't think he'll have the starting power forward position like he did during his first stint with the Jazz. I think he's going to be more of a backup center who does probably play some minutes at the four alongside Gobert. But that's more of a um, different, like that's more of a change up look rather than 
what their base lineup will be. But I think he'll definitely help with the defense a little bit. I think Donovan Mitchell is still improving on that end and having Royce O'Neal, George Yang, Joe Ingles, solid perimeter defenders. I think this defense probably gets back into the top six. And I think the offense top 10. So I just really think this is a very solid team. I agree. I really like the Utah Jazz. Watching Spide is a pleasure. I freaking love that guy, dude. How many wins do you want to give him, Cal? I'm going to give him. Vegas is going 43. I'll give him. I'll give him 45. 45? Okay. Shannon, I'm curious. To, did I did I change your mind at all? Um, Not really. Not really? Honestly. I just... um, I feel like the disappointment is kind of a common theme with Utah, and I'm not really that sure why that is. Mm-hmm. But it always they always seem to underperform. I feel like they're always kind of overestimated about how good they're going to be, and it just doesn't seem to translate that well. I... I don't, I honestly don't know how much I like Rudy Gobert in a playoff situation. And I know we're talking about the regular season, but I think that I just, I don't feel like he's this, I feel like you have to be more of an offensive threat in today's NBA than I think he is in order to be successful in the playoffs, especially as being the best player on your team. And so that kind of like leads me away from the Jazz, especially in the playoffs. I will say that I think that the West is going to be so close. Like that, there's probably like, a just there's just like a few games between like my last like well, really all of my teams. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really not that big of a difference. But I think okay, wait. So if this is, let me think. So I have them at so like uh, okay. So I'm actually gonna put Utah. I think at 41 wins. 41. Okay. Wow. Regardless, if you get in the 40s, I feel like that's a decent season. Yeah, and that's still a record of a playoff team. And like Shannon was saying, just this middle tier in the West, the four teams, Blazers, Jazz, Nuggets, um, Mavericks. Some people would probably put the Warriors or the Suns in there. Maybe the Rockets of James Harden stays. Those teams, you could make a case for any of those teams over any of the other teams. Definitely. So, yeah. Jonah, what is the did the the Phoenix Suns? They change their colors. The Suns? Yeah. No. Purple and orange. Oh, it looks like red. Oh, it does. Oh, oh it does. Uh, look at the red and the trail that is under it. So let's hit on who Channon had as his... Um, third, I can't scroll in. Or fourth seed, I guess. The uh, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, so um, I think, obviously, um, Jeremy Grant, the departure of Jeremy Grant is a problem for them. And who else did they lose? Who was it? Tory Craig or... Yeah, Tory Craig and then Mason Plumley. Okay, yeah. So, um, Tory Craig, um, same kind of deal. Like, it puts a hole a little bit in the defense and kind of what the chemistry had. I do think we'll see um, MPJ step up a little bit. I, I think we saw in the bubble that he's a pretty capable player. Mm-hmm. Um, if it weren't for Grant and, like, really the changes they made, honestly, I, I might have had them. It, w- it would have been competitive for me to have them above the Clippers, but um, – Obviously, they did make those changes, but I still think, um, like we saw, especially in the bubble, like if they stay healthy, um, Murray and Jokic are just a very, very, very deadly duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, yeah, I'm actually going to agree with Vegas and say that that's enough for them to get 44 wins in the West. Yeah, Jonah, mm-hmm. you think Jamal can carry over what he did in the bubble to like 
actually well, doing no. that consistently. Uh, yeah, obviously Jamal's not going to be as good as he was in the bubble. I think the question for this um, Nuggets team is just how far is he going to regress? And I don't mean regression as a bad thing. Like No, but yeah, it's definitely unrealistic. Like Yeah, because I mean, like, I'm like a huge Damian Lillard fan, and I'd say obviously Damian Lillard's going to regress from what he was in the bubble. Like, yeah. players go on hot streaks. Jamal Murray happens to be the kind of player who can get on a hot streak and ride it quite a quite a bit and play some really good basketball and then have some very mediocre stretches. Luckily, over his career, the hot stretches have always come in crucial moments. So, like, the playoff run he had this year, or I guess last year, I guess, would be the correct phrasing now, mm-hmm. was just insane. The year before that, in the 2019 playoffs, he was huge. He basically almost single-handedly um, let or led them to beating the Spurs. Like he was probably their best player against the Spurs in that series. And then he carried it over and had a pretty nice series against the Portland Trailblazers, even if it was in a losing effort. So, but like, like I said, Murray's just a guy who like can go through cold stretches too. He was awful during the regular season this year, the 2019, 20 regular season. Sure. He dealt with ankle injuries all year, but he just was not playing very good. And um, Jokic is another guy who tends to bring his best basketball in the playoffs mm-hmm. and tend to take a while to warm up to the regular season. I had him as my first team all NBA center. I remember going into the NBA or going into the NBA season last year and I had him as like a sneaky MVP contender. And really he's just he's just not not so much a regular season guy. I don't think the loss of Grant hurts them in particular during the regular season. I think he's more of a playoff guy. Like yeah, that, that's yeah. In the regular season, you've got like your Will Bardens and your uh, Paul Millsaps and yeah, all sorts of guys. Gary Harris. That like they're not PJ Dozier is a guy who played, so they're not like poor for wing players. I just think in such a short regular season to have star players who aren't necessarily known for their like regular season output. I'm I just don't think this is gonna be an elite regular season team. I've got them at 41 wins. I think they're gonna be about the same in the playoffs. I think Jamichael Green was a good get for them. He kind of can bridge the gap and play a lot of the uh Plumley and Grant minutes and then maybe like Bull Bull or PJ Dozier or one of the young guys steps up and like curious the rest of that load but as a regular season team i'm just i think they're good like like we keep saying like this is just so close in the west but i think they're going to be a little bit worse than the jazz yeah i think that definitely makes sense part of my assumption is made based on the like the possibility that the success that jamal murray had and also Jokic, and like we saw Jokic lose a lot of weight before the bubble also I think that maybe that could carry over into more regular season motivation than we've seen in the past, but that could totally not translate. And I could mm-hmm. absolutely see them switching places with the jazz. Yeah. And I mean, like, and our projections are only three games off. So I don't, right. think we, I don't think we have like these crazy contrasting opinions. I think we yeah, pretty much right. agree on the quality of this team and just our standing shaked out just slightly differently. Yeah, but sure. Kellen, I think that they'll win. I think they'll win 40. 40, okay. I think they can win 40 games. I so, mean, they, yeah. Okay. 
So are we at our fifth seeds now? Yeah. Who do you have at five, Jonah? I'm almost certain we have the same team left. And that's the Dallas Mavericks, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Dallas Mavericks. It's kind of insane how my opinion of them has just kind of been bungee jumping the past, like ever really ever since they got eliminated from the playoffs. I've been everywhere from thinking they would um win the Western Conference to uh being the sixth seed. And I finally settled in on them at the five seed. So mm-hmm. like at certain points I was like, well this team has Luka Doncic. Luka's a guy who I could easily see winning the MVP this season. He'll be in my top three MVP candidates for sure. He's just a dominant player. He had a historically awesome regular season last year. Mavericks most efficient offense in NBA history, if you're just looking at raw data. And so like that's, I don't think there's any reason to expect their offense to take some huge drop. What really started to kind of concern me though, is this team has their entire starting front court injured right now. Like Dwight Powell and Kristaps, who are their like starting bigs last year, both of them are out. Dwight Powell will be out for the entire season. Kristaps, we don't know when he's coming back. And the reason I don't think it'll be that debilitating is I happen to be pretty high on Maxi Kleber. I think he's a very underrated player. And I also think Willie Cauley-Stein I think the yeah, Mavericks definitely. can kind of make him shine in the system, even if he was just miserable for them last season and the few games he played. But yeah. I think those guys can step up and carry the load. Um, I have one other bigger concern about him, but Shannon, do you want to talk about him really quick before I hit that? No, I want to hear your concern. Okay, so my <laughs> my bigger concern is last year we saw the backbone of this team just be um, the best offense in NBA history. Like you have Luka Doncic, possibly already the best pick and roll playmaker in the NBA. You surrounded him with shooting Seth Curry, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., both very solid shooters. And you surrounded him with a variety of pick and roll combinations. So whether it was Dwight Powell and later on in that season, Willie Cauley-Stein, who are both athletic, high-flying, fast rim runners, or a guy like Maxi Kleba, who, or a guy like Kristaps, who can fade and shoot the three. Kristaps cannot finish inside. Maxi is a little bit better at that. But just you got a Luka Doncic, an elite, elite, elite basketball savant, and you um, surrounded him with a high variety of tools that allowed him to pretty much do anything he wanted. But the team faltered in the playoffs, and I think a lot of that. Well, a lot of that was just due to not having the elite one-on-one wing defenders and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George basically ended their season. So they addressed that concern this year. They brought in James Johnson. They brought in Wes Awundu. Um, I'm forgetting somebody. Did they? Richardson. Yeah, Josh Richardson. Thank you. They brought in three really good perimeter defenders. But I don't think in either of those three guys, in particular Awundu and um, Johnson. And then Josh Richardson has a um, – specific offensive skill set but i don't know if it's as conducive to the mavericks i just Mm -hmm. think those three are kind of going to weigh down the offense and sure they're going to be a huge um help to the mavs come playoff time but i just think for a system that was as refined as dallas is was last year and that relies so much on just having the best offense possible like these two guys are definitely going to like these guys are definitely going to um 
are going to take the offense down a notch, which is fine. Like you've got to make sacrifices and they just sacrificed a little bit of offense to have wing defenders. But I just think as a regular season, um, as a, as like a regular season value add, I just think this kind of takes down the regular season win total a little bit for me. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I do think uh, like you probably considering this too, because if it weren't for this, I think they might be even lower, but I think Luka Doncic is the type of player kind of what you see in LeBron where he, when you're playing with him, you play your best realistically. Yeah. Same with like Stephen Curry players like that. So I think that, I think we'll see Josh Richardson's offense come back to kind of what it was in Miami, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Luca's the type of player who, like I just said, he makes you the best version of yourself. And he's just like, so good at like, he's, he's so good at bringing the best qualities out of players that I think that um, even with like some guys down, they'll still, be able to get this five seed. Like I think we'll see Willie Collie Stein have a good season. I kind of play how he was in Sacramento when he was kind of balling out a little bit. Yeah. Cause all Josh Richardson is going to be asked to do is just shoot open three pointers and attack closeouts and advantage situations. And both mm-hmm. of those things, Josh Richard, Josh Richardson can do. And when we talked about wing defenders, I probably should have added Josh Green, the guy they drafted kind of that similar mold. So and they, I thought they nailed the draft too, because I want to talk about Tyrell Terry. <laughs> we we can't we can't leave the Mavericks without. I was literally about to mention him. Without me bringing up Tyrell Terry, who I think is going to fit beautifully into the uh, Seth Curry role. I think if anything, he's overqualified to uh, play that role on this Mavs team. So I'm excited to see him play. Let's go. I have them winning 42. 42, and I had him winning 41. Cool. Yeah, so I just have them one game ahead of uh, the Jazz. So it's very easily, very easily these teams can slip around. I'm going to say 39. Just change her up. Dude, I can't wait, dude. The the West is kind of stacked. This is... This is when things are going to get interesting, I think. <laughs> yeah. The seventh seed. Um, why don't Why don't we uh, switch a little this up a little bit? Kellen, is there a team we haven't brought up yet that you might be high on this year? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a team. The Golden State Warriors, you know? Bro, can I just say yeah. right off the bat who I think how many games they're going to win? Yeah. All right, bro. If everybody stays healthy, I'm putting them at 55 games. Okay. I think they can win 55 games. I'm not kidding you. And that, what would that, that would would put them at what? The best team in the NBA. Yeah. That would put them at the one seed, right? Oh yeah. No doubt. That would put them at the number one overall seed. I think you had Milwaukee winning 53 games. But if we get, if Steph gets hurt or something, I'm dropping that baby down to 36 really quick. (laughs) Could you describe where the 55 wins come from a little bit? Where the 55 games come from, you know, I think James Wiseman's going to have a freaking, I think he's going to come onto the scene. And then also, like, I don't know. I feel like Andrew Wiggins is going to have a good season. And also, um, what else? Oh, I think that having an actual big man is going to be insane for us because we haven't had one in a super long, like a super long time. And also, like, uh, let me think. Brad Wanamaker, that's going to be a good backup uh, point guard. And then um, who else? Bruh. Bruh, um, don't put me on the spot like this, dude. Um, I think that honestly, I just don't know. I feel like Draymond Green, like, I don't know, dude. Okay, so 
Just to clarify, the three-headed dragon of Steph, James Wiseman, and Andrew Wiggins with the backup play of Brad Wanamaker should lead them to 55 wins. I think, dude, I, I just I just don't know. They just got something special. Dude. I think you're also forgetting a very important addition. Yeah, Kelly. I'm just not completely sold on Kelly yet, though. You're making me know. blush. I don't know. Oh, so he's not part of that equation? Maybe we see him drop back and not get a whole lot of minutes. Yeah. I just I'm just I just really think that they could be good, dude. I'm I don't know. I literally I just can't wait to watch the season, dog. I just wanna I don't know. I just feel like they could be really good. Just right. for context, all over the course of an eighty two game season, Kellen has the Warriors on track for a sixty three and nineteen record. Yeah, that's pretty fire. That is a good record given the I really the think they could do this. I okay. think we can get 55 games. Dude. So, um, so what if they had Clay Thompson healthy? <laughs> See, I think if they if they had Clay Thompson healthy, dude, they're getting. I think they would go mm, 60. Okay, so do you? So, with, are you implying that a healthy Clay Thompson with this team would make them better than the team with? Finals MVP Andre Iguodala and um, who else was on that team? Like uh, that one guy who, who was his? What's his name? Uh, he was from a different country. Andrew Bogut. No, the he was like a wing Festus? player. He was Sean really Liv- fast. Sean Livingston. No, oh, but him too. Sean Livingston. Um, I'm not gonna remember his name, but would that make them better than that team? I mean, they actually have like depth this year. It's not just like KD anymore. So they have, do you think they have more depth than they did they, in the first championship they won? Um, probably not. Well, I don't really know, dude. Okay. Can, can uh, Channon, do you want to be the first to debunk Count's prediction? Or? Okay. So from my standpoint, uh, I see, I see the Warriors winning 38 this year, and the reason for that is because um, when we look at the other teams in the West, there's just so many weapons. Like, I mean, if you look at the top three seeds, the Lakers. I'm not going to go into it, but the Lakers, um, Blazers, and the Clippers. While we're projecting the top three, I think there's just so many weapons. Well, not um, not Kellen's top three, obviously, but. I think there's just so many different weapons and guys that can get it done and names that you can mention that a team with the Warriors who like when you, like we've talked about before with Clay Thompson and what he does for their system. I think when you take that out of the equation, I think they hurt quite a bit, especially on the offensive end because Stephen Curry, um, I think I've said before that I think Dane's the best point guard. I think realistically it's safe to say that Steph is probably the number one point guard in the NBA, but part of what he does so well is set other guys up and play within that system. And he's so good at moving the ball. And as a team, they've always been so good at doing that. And when you add a ball stopper guy like Andrew Wiggins, who I'm sure will have the best season he's had with the Warriors, but still, I think that is just, I think it's a lot different for the Warriors than what we've seen in the past. And um, I don't think that's enough to like, I don't think that's enough for them to compete with the, with the teams, with all the weapons that I have at the top of the West. I just feel like, I just feel like when I look at some of the better teams in the league, Warriors aren't that far off talent-wise. 
Well, I kind of want to touch on again what Shannon was saying. And I think so often we can just kind of fall into the mindset of just thinking, oh, like Stephen Curry, one of the like best players in the NBA, obviously probably one of the most exciting players I've ever watched in my lifetime. Just an insanely good shooter, insanely skilled player. But like Shannon was saying, he does fit well into the system that Golden State's put in front of him in that system is so important. And I think a lot of times we kind of forget that so much of that system is built on shooting and playmaking like Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, both extremely smart basketball players, Draymond, a really smart basketball player. All three of those guys kept the ball moving, could see the court so well, could find Steph if he like relocated into the corner find Draymond. If he came off a pin down screen, um, onto the wing and find him for that open shot. Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, for all their specific weaknesses, none of those three are like especially known for their feel for the game. None of them are really shooters. So Steve Kerr is going to have to figure something out because these three players who are in theory going to be three players who are in his starting lineup just do not fit any sort of concept that he's um, run in the past. And I think people think that just throwing in Steph will just make all those problems go away. But like, let me remind remind you guys, the Warriors sucked even when Stephen Curry was playing last year. Like the first three games of the season and that last game against the Raptors, I would remember just looking at my phone on, it must've been like Halloween or the day before Halloween, like October 30th or something, first week of the regular season, just looking at my phone and being like, the Warriors lost to the Thunder by how much? Like it, it was just kind of was taking people aback just how bad this team was, even with Steph and Curry. Mm-hmm. And granted, Steve Kerr and Steph, they would have come up with something if Steph hadn't gotten hurt. Like they wouldn't have been that bad all oh, season. Yeah. But asking them to be a playoff team this year is just a jump to me. And I think they will be in that conversation. And I don't think this team's going to be awful, but I just don't really think it makes sense yet. And I think they're relying on Draymond Green a lot too, because off last last time we saw this Warriors team at the peak of their powers, like Steph Curry, they had the luxury of being able to hide him because they had one of the bath, best backcourt All-NBA defenders in the league in Clay Thompson, who could take on the toughest perimeter challenge. They don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. Like Kelly Oubre is fine, but he kind of shies away from contact, doesn't get over the screens. He's not an elite backcourt defender. Andrew Wiggins has a, his specific set of problems. And so Stephen Curry all of a sudden is going to be tasked with a very real role on the defensive side of the ball and is going to have to carry this team offensively. And that's just a lot to ask for a guy who's in his 30s. And you're putting a lot of pressure on Draymond, who you'd imagine he has a little bit more left in the tank than what he showed last year, but I I have a hard time counting on it, which is what this Warriors team is going to be forced to do because James Wiseman, as much as I like him and as I think he'll be a solid center, there's going to be a learning curve for him to be sure. He's going to foul a lot. He jumps at everything. He goes for blocks like a madman. And so he's going to be fouling a lot. You kind of need that adult in the room. You need Draymond back there 
to clean up some mistakes and kind of play free safety like he's been able to during the best defensive years in his career where he was legitimately the best defensive player in the NBA. And he's going to have to be that guy if the Warriors want any shot at being a top 15 defense, which I just don't think Draymond's that guy anymore. And I'm going to say one last thing, and this might sound a little bit hot take-ish. And um, I think on for Warriors fans, this should like register as a one out of 10 on the concern level. But we're a couple weeks away from the regular season and I haven't heard a peep about a Steph Curry extension. He became extension eligible this offseason, and it's just been complete silence on that front, which is like he's going to be a free agent in two years, and I don't know how much traction they have towards a new deal. I mean, if I was Steph's agent, I would tell him to wait, not just because the future is so uncertain in the Bay, but also because monetarily you want to maximize how much money you can make while you're in your prime, mm-hmm. which would which would lead you to um, waiting another year or two before inking your next deal. But just something to kind of monitor. I'm going to have the Warriors winning 37 games this year, and I think that's pretty generous. But that just shows how much trust I have in Steve Kerr to be able to figure something out. Yeah, I think, Jonah, I think you make tons and tons and tons of excellent points there. And one thing that I kind of want to expand on is just you talked about like so much weight on Stephen Curry. And I think as tremendous of a player as he is, I think it's important to recognize that he is a point guard and it's a lot different to be a, a dominant point guard than it is to be a dominant overall player. If you look at like a LeBron James, like he can dominate anybody on the court, a point guard, like it's from just a size standpoint, like you just can't always do that. Like there's going to be guys that are just too big and it's the same for, you know, Damon Lerb, whatever other point guard you want to name, there's going to come a time where like you put LeBron James on Stephen Curry, he's going to get some stops more so than if you put Stephen Curry on LeBron James, you know what I mean? Like that size impacts your ability to carry a team truly. But I do feel like Steph is enough to get them to the seven seed. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm talking about, like Steph actually having to play a real role, like I'm not saying he's going to be guarding like the best no, yeah, yeah, yeah. team. I'm just saying that there's going to be um, bigger consequences if he can't competently play on ball for a few possessions. Definitely. Yeah. So, which he hardly ever had to do that when Golden State was sort of in their prime. So that's just, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. And while he carries probably one of the biggest offensive loads in the NBA. So, yeah. um, Oh, I can't, side I note. can't wait for new years. Is that when we play you guys? Yeah. I play back to back and nice. then play, we yeah. play March. Then we play oh, March. that's when the back to back is. That was fun. So lit. I wish we could go dude. Yeah, me too. How about we just try But to It's go, the huh? Blazers at warriors though. Okay. I, I can't wait to pod after that game. That'll be fun. Oh, facts. Dude, um, I just, I think that you guys are high key sleeping. I just don't see that the, the weapons are there. Like, I just don't think there's enough. I think there. that they definitely have weapons though, dude. Like, I mean, they have never had a serious guy that could get boards and now they have one. I mean, I didn't Draymond Green lead the league in boards one season. Or am I wrong? Yeah, but like not a dominant big man that can get offensive rebound. That's what like killed us in like our playoff runs. That's why games were always tight is we never capitalized on getting offensive rebounds. The other teams always offense, like, like had the advantage, like on offense. I mean, there is James Wiseman, but it's important to recognize that he's a rookie. And also 
if you, for example, the Blazers, you have Nurkic, and then when you pull him out, you also have Ennis Cantor, and if you pull him out, you have Zach Collins, and if you pull him out, you have Harry Giles. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we got Marquis Chris, dog. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> no, Kavon Looney actually, if he stays healthy, I think he can be solid. Uh, I mean, side Kavon note, Jonah, is a massive part yeah. of our freaking playoff. Jonah, do you already have one of those like um, the jackets that are like the the warm up ones? That, that have like the blazers thing on them. You know, like the ones I'm talking about that are like zip up and they have the hood, like the encore ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but there are a few like different colors and stuff of them. But. Okay, because I was on eBay and there's a bunch of red ones on there for like $50, $60 brand new. Oh, yeah, Just I, have, you know. I have that one. Oh, okay, okay, dang. Because I was like, that's a steal, bro. Yeah, those are sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. I yeah, freaking so, like our roster guy. And we well, got little, we got baby Dre. I would I'd be very happy to be proven wrong. I think we all yeah. want to see some more prime stuff with the Golden State Warriors. I so. just think if you're like making like predictions just based on like established players and like reality, I think that that's what puts them at the win total I have them at. Yeah. And um I want I want to hear Cannon's um answer to this too. But when I predict the Warriors to go 37 and 35, baked into that prediction like this is my record if Stephen Curry is a first or second All NBA All Team. Oh like yeah, first or second All NBA guy. Like no question, this is under the assumption that he's back in the MVP conversation. Yeah, like this is this is probably one of the very highest end outcomes that I'd be willing to go for. Yeah, oh definitely. If Steph takes any step backwards from what we've seen in him, I don't think there's any chance we see them make the playoffs. No. Yeah. Totally. I bet we have the same team next, Shannon. Ooh, I have the Suns. Yep, me too. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Because there's other teams that could definitely slide into that. Yeah, I think so. But I think the Suns make a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, did I give the Warriors 38 wins? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I have the Sun one game behind them. Okay. 37. Mm, man, dude, I can't wait for the season to start, guy. I'm excited to watch the Suns, actually. This is the team I'm really excited about. Yeah, me too. Because um, I remember, who was it Draymond Green that tweeted get Devin Booker out of Phoenix or something like that? It was somebody. Did he, did he tweet it or did he say it he on? He said it on. Oh, he um, said it, yeah. He got yeah. fined, didn't he? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that sounds like tampering to me. So uh, Yeah, I think he got fined. But, um, oh, dude, imagine if Devin Booker would have went to the Warriors, trade Clay Thompson. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think CP3, Devin Booker, Aiden, like, I think that's nasty. I think that that's, to me, superior than any of you the other. You just named three players, though. You named three players for the Warriors winning 55 games, bro. Yeah, no, but, like, the Warriors, they have way more depth than the Suns guy. No, bro. No. Yeah. I'm sorry, Colin. Okay, no, who's bro. on the Suns? Let's look at the Suns roster. Okay, no, let's look at the three players we named, okay? I named Yeah, CP3. I named Brad. I, named, I know, I named Brad Wanamaker, okay, listen. James Wiseman, and Steph Curry. So okay, yeah. With the... With I'm naming the, CP3, Devin Booker, and Aiden, bro. You can't tell me those three aren't superior to the Warriors three. We'll see. Like, I'm putting that trust. Okay, Devin Booker is good. But CP3, I know, I'm putting that I mean, extra like, trust. Okay. CP3 is an all-time point guard, bro. Hold yeah. on now. Hold Still? on now. Did you see him last season, bro? Did you see yeah, what he did in true. OKC? Yeah, I know. He was really good at OKC last season. Um, my Me putting the Warriors over the Phoenix is because of Steve Kerr and what he's been able to do and, like, how adaptable he is. If it, if it were from a roster standpoint, I'm picking Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. And I and I actually 
I have them tied, but I have Phoenix ahead of the Warriors. Like I have them tied record wise, but I have Phoenix as my seven seed. Yeah. Just because, um, like I said, the Warriors was like the highest I was willing to go. And I think the Phoenix Suns have a ceiling beyond 37 wins. Yeah. So I guess the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about with the Phoenix Suns is when they initially signed or not signed, but traded for Chris Paul. I was a little bit critical of him just because sure. This move makes him just infinitely better in the immediate, but I think I compared it to like a sugar rush. It's going to, it's going to help them a lot. It's going to give them a huge boost right now, but it's going to kind of leave them a little bit like lacking in the future for lack of a better word. Like the opportunity cost was, a major part of this deal because although they could have structured it to still have their powder dry for free agency, they chose to pull the trigger before the start of free agency, which locked them out of the cap space derby. Like I liked, I happened to like the fit and the idea of Fred Van Vliet and Phoenix quite a lot. And they punted on that by just trading for Chris Paul. They could have drafted Tyrese Halliburton. They just could have like planned for the future. Like in either yeah, one definitely. or two years, Chris Paul is going to be a free agent. And if he leaves, who's, the point guard on this roster. Like, right. And also in one or two years, he's going to be very old and he's still so effective, but he can't be that forever. Yeah. 100%. And so if anything, I would have liked to have like the heir apparent on the roster and an absence of that, like, sure. It's going to be cool to have Chris Paul and they're going to be really good, but I have concerns about this team's long-term future because mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't really address the point guard position when Booker and Aiden are going to be in their primes, which is right. what I would be the most concerned about if I was, in James Jones' shoes as general manager of the... I guess, I think I might have said this before, but I, I assume what they're thinking is that you bring him in as, like, immediate win value. And we talked about maybe Booker wanting to get into the playoffs now, and that might have been a conversation they had. Yeah. But also, like, he's a guy with, like, as much NBA knowledge as anybody and just the mentorship that he can provide. And yeah. maybe you just hope that you can add in a point guard that is, like, a t- the type of point guard who can mesh with any team in the future. Yeah, 100%. And then, so I guess to kind of pivot to the on-court product we're going to be seeing in Phoenix this year, it's going to be interesting because a lot of what we loved about the Suns last year was sort of the run and gun. They played a lot in transition. They had players like Booker and especially like Kelly Oubre who got let go that definitely excelled getting up and down the court, like liked to like force steals. Um, Uber is a big passing lanes guy, just run after rebounds, just play a fast paced team. Like young teams tend to do. Chris Paul is like the opposite of that. Chris Paul likes to slow the game down to a grind and sort of just like, and he, and like, this isn't a bad thing, but he just likes to take his time and run like more intricate offenses and plays Mm -hmm. like just more on the half court, like older point guards tend to do, but Chris Paul sort of has, done this his whole career so i think bringing chris paul kind of bring goes against the ethos that the suns established on court i think they have players like booker who do excel in the half court and so i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing it's just going to be an yeah that's what i was going to bring up is i think well like booker's a tremendous one-on-one player so i think that honestly maybe moving out uh uber with the addition of chris paul maybe makes a little more sense but yeah true for sure yeah i i I do not think Ubre would have fit on this team whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I guess on that note, let's talk about the wing depth on this team. Cause I think that is where they shine. I know Paul and Booker, an awesome backcourt, but the wings 
on this team really impressed me because you've got Mikhail Bridges. You signed Jay Crowder to a three-year 30. Oh, that's million. right. I forgot about Crowder. And then off the bench, Cam Johnson mm-hmm. had a really solid rookie campaign. He presumably will be back and still um, getting better. Is there somebody I forgot? Oh, Dario Starch is the guy they oh, okay. brought back. And um, he's he just adds some spacing. He can be like – he played center for them some in the bubble. He can – like just as that change of pace, if you want to go like a supercharged offensive lineup and just have a lot of shooting at the five. Yeah, for sure. Dario Starch is a good option there. No doubt. And so I'm going to pick the Suns as well to win 37 games. Cool. Kellen? Um, I think the Suns will win. Um, let's just go with Vegas. 38. Yeah. Let me just say something right now. Get this off my chest. It's kind of bothering me. I had a complete aneurysm, bro. And I got so nervous for absolutely zero reasons. And I could, I don't know, like why I said all those stupid things, but like, I just think I have, I have complete faith in my team, bro. And I'm going to be watching every single game, but I have no idea why I had a complete freaking like mental breakdown when you asked me that question. And as long as they have number 30 on the court, anything is possible for the yeah, dude. So. No, I don't know why I didn't say Kelly Uber, Eric. I just like tweaked out, bro. I was like, what the oh, fuck? Yeah. No, dude, I totally respect you. Like believing in hundred percent. I would feel the same way about the Blazers if, if they are in the position or whatever. I mean, I do feel the same way about the Blazers. I haven't the two seed. Vegas obviously doesn't. You feel me? Yeah, but I can actually see that though. Like they have depth for days. Yeah. Okay, now damn yeah, time. Now we can pretty much. Well, I think there is one team that we dubiously have not said their name once, and I think we better address the elephant in the room, Shannon. I think it, the time has come to address. Oh wait a second! You could be talking about one of two teams right now. Are you talking about the Grizzlies or the Pelicans? The Houston Rockets. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't even think about them, dude. Yeah. No way. That's crazy. I was thinking about completely two different teams who I think are both um, much better playoff contenders than the Rockets. Yeah, I don't okay. think I don't see the Rockets being a part of the equation this season. Uh, to me, they're on the same level as Minnesota and uh, Sacramento Kings. Wow. Um, um, I think I, the I, Kings could be good. I don't know. No, I think um, I think the Kings will be good, but it's just the West is so stacked. But uh, the Houston Rockets. Obviously, obviously, I'm assuming that James Harden isn't going to end up playing there. But even if they do, uh, even if he does, I still um, I think that maybe Houston would be competitive with like Phoenix. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I just I don't I don't really see it. Yeah, um, I had this team in the playoff conversation, sort of competing with the Warriors and the Suns for that eighth seed, mm-hmm. and then. It was really sort of disheartening for me to see James Harden prioritize the uh, birthday party at the strip club over like going to practice. And I know I don't know what I didn't hear about that. Yeah. So he's not going to be able to go to the first week of practice because he violated like the team's COVID exposure policy or whatever, like going to the strip club. And yeah, this is low key like um, freaking what's his name? Uh, why am I facing Scotty Pippen vibes when he was like ending his time with the, with the bulls where you just kind of see him just like not caring anymore. So I don't, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's no way he keeps playing in Houston. 
or like Kawhi or just Dan- or yeah. Danny Davis or just any of these guys who kind of start getting. Oh, the AD thing. I forgot about that. Yeah. Once they're done. So um, I was hesitant to write off the Rockets as long as I knew James Harden was on the roster, just because we've seen it time and time again, how valuable a regular season player he is and just how efficient he is and how efficient he causes like the offense to be like, he's just a, he just is kind of a recipe to make the playoffs. Yeah. Same like that same, that Giannis type of player where it's just a, a regular season nightmare because you just not, you're not going to drop a solution every single night in the regular season. Yeah. But it's just, it can, it concerned me when he didn't go to practice because now I'm starting to get the feel that like, even if he's on the court, it's not going to be, the James Harden that like we're used to. He's yeah, if he starts the season there, it's yeah. He's he's not going to be engaged. Honestly, yeah. honestly, I would doubt if he plays. I still am holding out so much hope that they trade him because I like James Harden and I'd love to see him in a situation where he had the chance not only to like play his hardest but also to compete. So please so- call Brooklyn. But, yeah, do you assume that's probably what he wants is to be on a contender? Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think he's been nothing but clear about that. I know he posted, yeah. like, the cap on Instagram or whatever, but let's let's not – um let's call a spade a spade. Like, James Harden, he wants out of Houston. And so where does that where does that leave us with the Rockets? I honestly haven't really thought about him much without Harden just because – like Shannon said, they're going to be irrelevant without him. But, I mean, you've still got John Wall. You've got Eric Gordon. You've got P.J. Tucker. You've got Christian Wood, oh, I dude. thought. If you're, if you're already naming P.J. Tucker and Christian Wood. Yeah, I actually <laughs> thought P.J. – I actually thought Christian Wood was a good signing for him. But, yeah, he's not going to continue oh, yeah. a lot of playoff wins. Oh, I picked the Rockets. I picked them to win 31 games. But that was – me holding out my last shred of hope that James Harden might actually like participate this year. And mm-hmm. that's getting fainter and fainter. So by the next time we record, I'm sure this win total is going to be a little bit lower. And yeah. um, by the way, this like Vegas projection was done by a different sports book than the rest of them. Only one sports book in the world has actually put a number on the Rockets win total this year. Oh, really? just because there's such a high range of outcomes for this team with the James Harden situation still in flux. So like 31, okay. 41, that is probably, I mean, I just don't know. Cause I was <laughs> going to say that's a high end outcome, but if James Harden is the guy, like we've seen him be in years past, like 37, 38, 39, yeah. wins, that's a high end outcome. And then the low end outcome is just depressing. Like the low yeah. end, if James Harden gets traded and, and, John probably- Wall, and John Wall doesn't come back healthy, like this team is going to be one of the worst in the NBA. So yeah. Uh, well, where did you land on in terms of wins, Shannon? So should I make my guess in the assumption that James Harden suits up in a Rockets uniform or not? I I don't know. On mine, I kind of just split the difference, which is a yeah. way to do it. But okay, I'm gonna say that I'm I'm making this based on him not being there, and I'm gonna give them 21 wins. 21. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. If he is just not there at all. Yeah. Kellen? I'll go 29. Yeah, okay. How much does the Nets go up if they get Harden? Oh, I add them at 47. If they get Harden, that's easily in the 50s, low 50s yeah. probably. Yeah, 
if they get hardened, I think they're going to be my um, regular season champs in the East because, uh, like I just said, like James Harden is kind of the same thing as Giannis in the regular season where it's just like you're not going to stop him. Yeah, and of the people like that I listen to and read in terms of NBA content, like me and Shannon are pretty high on the net. So I think we both we both like where the team's at, even without Harden. And then with Harden, that's just going to be one of the craziest offensive teams we've ever seen in terms of just pure talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, now we're pretty much completely out of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. Should we yeah. just take them like alphabetically now? Or Wait, really? Don't? You don't think the Pelicans can make it? True. Yeah, that's that's fair. And there are a few teams, especially now that they're doing that whole playoff play-in mm-hmm. tournament thing where the top where the nine and 10 seed get a chance to play their way into the tournament. Like really there, there are quite a few teams actually who could theoretically make the playoffs. But um, I think we've now done nine of these teams. And so it's so crazy that we're like, the Spurs are just out of the question, man. It's so weird. They've always been yeah. so good. Yeah. And I actually like the Spurs. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean. see him as a contender for the playing tournament, but yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of going, we're kind of going through the teams right now who, are on that outside looking in and would have to like surprise some people to make a run at it. But Kellen, do you want to lead us off with the Pels? Oh, sure. Let's go. Mm. So how does the nine and 10 thing work? Is it just, is it just a one game, like wild card kind of thing? Yeah, sure. So um, once the season's over, the seven and eight seed will play each other and the nine and 10 seed will play each other. The winner of the seven and eight game will be the seven seed. The loser of the nine and 10 um, game will be eliminated and the loser of the seven, eight seed will play the winner of the nine, 10 seed for the eight seed. Oh, that dude. That's a lot just to get in. Sucks to be the eight seed, dude. Jeez. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's, that's honestly like, damn, dude, it doesn't even matter if you're seven, eight, nine, ten, dude. Yeah. I thought what it should be is that the seven seed has to play the 10 seed and the 10 seed has to win two times and the eight seed has to play the nine seed and the nine seed has to play two times. Basically just what they had this year with the Blazers and the Grizzlies mm-hmm. where the Grizzlies would have like theoretically had to beat the Blazers twice, even though it didn't does, end up so coming to that. Does it take into account like tiebreakers and stuff or is it just straight up? It is what it is. What do you mean? Like say like that team beat the team that they'd be playing in the, well, yeah, so so the regular season standings are going to be determined in the same way they always have been. It's just that now at the end of the regular season, there are going to be some like bonus games to determine yeah. who are the last two teams in the playoffs. So okay. like the tiebreakers and stuff would just work how they've always worked to just determine the standings at the end of the regular season. Um, Does that answer your question at all? Yeah. So Pelicans, they've got Zion, Lonzo, yep. Ingram, and don't they – who didn't wait that trade never wait then who, who yeah okay Steven, Steven Adams. Adams and then who's the other did they get who what other guys did they get so from the Bucks they got Eric Bledsoe okay yeah I was just about to say they did they get Eric Bledsoe I just didn't want to yeah. sound stupid yeah but, they got okay, George yeah. Hill and George Hill was out the door pretty it, quick it was Bledsoe for like Drew right yeah and then a boatload of picks yeah okay I think that the Pelicans. I think they go five hundo. Five, okay, nice. I mean, I think they've. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to watch Zion. I think he's gonna be fun if he can yeah, stand the court. Pick. 
dude, I'm fucking, I feel so stupid. Like, I literally feel so stupid. Like, I don't know why I had a complete aneurysm, bro. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it wasn't that bad. No, I, I was like, what bad. the fuck? I just can't. I just really cannot wait. I Maybe by March, do you think when the Blazers come to, or that Warriors come to Portland, do you think that that, do you think they'll have fans by then? Or do you think they'll kind of just stick with protocol throughout the entire season? Yeah, I, I bet, especially the Blazers. Like, Portland's a pretty, like, Oh, facts. I didn't even think about that. There would be riots or something outside Moda. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if there weren't already, but um, (laughs) yeah, I, I think by the 2021, 22 season, hopefully. Yeah. Cause something guy, cause the vaccine should be rolling out like at the beginning of this year. So hopefully by then. Yeah. And we're talking about like, I hope so, dude. Come on. I, I will be driving down from eugene and picking you guys up on a weekly basis yes sir <laughs> but um yeah so the pelicans had an off season that i happened to actually be neutral because i love the drew holiday trade they got so many assets from the bucks were having one of the most desperate summers in nba history it was like <laughs> it was like cleveland in 2009 2010 possibly golden state in 2021, 22, like the, the bucks were just at all costs. We need to win with the honest. And that cost is going to end up being pretty high. And the new Orleans Pelicans cashed in on that. So that's a big yeah. deal. And that's awesome. But they made some more decisions that I just didn't understand, like trading for Steven Adams and then extending him was very interesting to me because um zion is a very unique player because he has the skill set of a center on offense like he's an elite rim runner he pretty much has to be the role man in the pick and roll but on defense he can't do any center things he can't protect the rim he's not he doesn't get back on defense to clog the paint and fill the paint that way um like he fouls quite a bit. He was just awful defensively as working and that will get better. But I think even when he does start to get better, he's still far from a center. And so you kind of are forced to surround him with a guy who can a protect the rim, but b kind of be on the perimeter and making shots on offense. So you make room for Zion as a role man. So a guy in that mold, think of like a Christoph's Porzingis, a miles Turner, who I actually mm-hmm. think they probably could have gotten if they had wanted to Christian Wood, who they happened to cut last year to make room for Joel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so that's funny. And so instead of bringing a guy in that mold, they just brought in a big beefcake and Steven Adams and put him next to Zion. Like that's never gonna work, you know. Like, do you think maybe they just like want to like try to bully teams? Like maybe they're yeah. thinking like Eric Bledsoe is gonna be like a bully point guard, and like mm-hmm. you're gonna have obviously Zion and Steven Adams. But I mean, Brandon Ingram doesn't make that much sense in that. You know what I mean, or Lonzo. Yeah, and I think yeah, especially Brandon Ingram. And what they had to have been thinking was just like they were bad, like their rebounding sucked last year and their rim protection with Zion on the floor was just atrocious. And Steven Adams, although he's regressing pretty hard, he's getting like his like physicality and stuff is still there and he's good at boxing out. Mm-hmm. But the little athleticism he had is just like he can't jump over a phone book at this point. And so like it just made no sense to me both trading from that made no sense to me and extending him just was 
the absolute icing on the cake. Like that was just terrible for me. But in terms of like how they look as a team now, like I do think they still have some good pieces like Lonzo and Zion in transition. That's going to be a big deal if Zion's in shape, which is a big if, and if he can stay healthy, I don't know. There are a lot of questions I have about this team. I think Brandon Ingram is he's a solid offensive, like half court. Like I think it's going to be a lot of Lonzo in the full court in transition, getting out passes from Steven Adams and running the court with Zion, trying to get like low hanging fruit that way. And then in the half court, I think it's going to be more of the uh, Brandon Ingram show. And for um, sure. And I think it's going to be a lot of like what we saw last year, like Brandon Ingram dribbling it for 14 seconds and then making a SOS pass to Zion and hoping Zion can bail him out. And so I just say have a hard time seeing this team getting to a top 15 offense. And I just think Zion is such a train wreck on defense. Like I just, I don't see this team being very good. And I think there is a high end outcome that exists. Cause obviously we all saw how good they were when Zion came or came in and played for the first time in the regular season prior to the bubble where they were awesome. And they, had a very good record, albeit against an easy schedule, but they were just playing very good basketball and that obviously evaporated in the postseason. But I mean, here, I'll let me end this on a high note. Like, I think the high end outcome of this team is pretty good though, because you've got Lonzo, great passers, Zion, maybe one of the best rollmen in the NBA, surround them with spacing like Brandon Ingram, JJ Redick. You've got some elite shooters on the floor who defenders can't leave. So I think there's a world where this offense is pretty good. But defensively, I just have a hard time seeing the high-end outcome with Zion at center and with Zion at power forward. So, yeah, yeah. 33 and 39 for me. I love to hear the hints of Zion hate in there because I am personally not a believer in Zion. I I, I don't think that he actually makes sense on a winning basketball team, and I think that he's going to have a very short career, but or like as far as like an uh, like impactful career. Um, and I had the same number in mind at 33 wins, actually. Okay, cool. Let's – before we move on, I just thought of something I wanted to talk about it before about the Pelicans. How bad is their front office at evaluating centers? In 2019, <laughs> they draft Jackson Hayes. I think it was like six or seven overall. Were about a year and a half later, they traded for and paid $35 million to a guy who's going to replace him, Stephen Adams. In 2019, they cut Christian Wood. And you you think Christian Wood, you think they would have liked to have him this year? They cut him so they could have Jalil Okafor. I think Jackson Hayes is better for them than Stephen Adams. Yeah, and then this year, they traded for Stephen Adams, a guy who, like, even I can see it. Even I can see he makes no sense with Zion, and that's just never going to work. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't work for an NBA team. I'm not, like, in a, any sort of front office position. And even I just, like, that's never going to work. And yeah. they devoted so much re- so many resources to having him when he's already shown signs of early regression in yeah. Oklahoma City so it's just a complete train wreck like I don't know who the scouts are on this team but this is just turning into a comedy of errors at this point and, and Nerlens didn't work out either yeah. yeah in terms of like New Orleans Pelicans center position it's just it's just not not great um so yeah um what team what team next at least uh, isn't Zion like a lot better? I mean, isn't Lonzo a lot better when like Zion's on the court? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
any point guard would be better with Zion on the court just because of how dynamic he is as a rim runner and in transition. So especially a guy who likes to get up and down the court like Lonzo does. Um, like, yeah, Zion is the perfect complement to him. Let's talk about the Grizzlies. Okay, yeah. And let's just leave this off with the very disheartening news that Jaron Jackson will not be ready in time for the regular season. He's still yeah. dealing with those lower body injuries. And so who knows when he'll be coming back. Justice Winslow apparently hasn't even started practice. He's still dealing with the hip injury. So just oh, okay. some concerning news from Memphis. Yeah, definitely. Uh, dude, remember when they had like, when we played them in the playoffs and they were like Zach Randolph, Gasol, Conley yeah. and like Courtney Lee. And they had like that bully ball. I hated that dude. Yeah. I funny. hated them so much. Shannon, do you remember Steph Curry's freaking he like heave before the? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was Legend, so crazy, legendary. Dude. So crazy. I also remember Stephen Adams' heave though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't he throw it overhand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was sick. Um, okay, the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, I hated them last year too. I just remember I remember we talked about on the podcast before that image of Anthony Tolliver dancing when they were up by like eleven points against the Blazers in the first game of the bubble and they ended up losing the game because John Morant doesn't know how to handle a basketball in the fast in the, in the open court, apparently, even though that's supposed to be what he's the best at. But yeah, I think um I don't think John Morant is gonna get a whole lot better than we saw last season, honestly. And obviously it's sad to see the injuries, but they need those guys if they want to compete for a playoff spot. Um it's, it's just really not there. Brandon Clark, is he still with them? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's a good player. I think he's got potential, but um, they need um, Taron Jackson for sure. If they want to be um, in that conversation, I, I think that um, they're going to be taking a step back this season from where, what they were last season. Yeah. I have nothing to say about the Grizzlies, dude. Okay, so um, – yeah, I think Shannon hit the nail pretty much right on the head. Like, this team's going to miss Jaron Jackson so much. The elite shooting he provided at the power forward position mixed with a very, very high volume of shots. Like, Jaron Jackson was shooting a lot of three-pointers last year and making a ton of them, which just opened up the offense so much. Obviously, Jaws, John Morant's not a guy who likes to shoot the basketball, so that having Jaron as a weapon on the floor opened up so much of the interior to him. Once Jaron left, or was injured, the offense really just was never the same. They just struggled to find sort of that recipe. They started um, Anthony Tolliver at the power forward, like Shannon was saying, just to get, just as a cry for help, trying to get. And we know that doesn't work as Blazer fans. Yeah, just trying to get just a little bit more shooting on the horn, obviously. It was to no avail. And so <laughs> Everyone thinks he's a shooter. He's not, dude. I mean, yeah, he was at one point, and then somehow, I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. He's not a shooter. Yeah, and so they still have some interesting pieces. Like, um, they still have some good depth in the front court. They brought back DeAnthony Melton on what I thought was a very reasonable four-year, thirty-five million dollar deal. So great work by them there. I thought they had a very good draft. They brought in Xavier Tillman. They got Kelly and Tilly undrafted. Desmond Bain as a guy who's going to help them out immediately, probably the best uh, resume in terms of shooters in the draft. He was like a four-year college kid and was consistently over 40% over his career on just an insanely high volume. But there are questions about his defense, given that he has like tiny little dinosaur arms. Like he's one of the very few NBA players with a negative wingspan. So I think that'll be something (laughs) 
that holds them back. But, I definitely have a negative wingspan. My arms are short, dude. Yeah, too. but um, yeah. So anyway, I just I agree with Chan, and I think this team's probably going to be taking a step back. Um, even though John Morant is a, I, I think he's going to be a very solid point guard, but I just don't think they have the right recipe around mm-hmm. him this year. I think if Jaron Jackson comes back sooner than later, this team could be a contender for the playing games for sure. And yeah. if Jaron Jackson misses substantial amounts of time, it's just going to be very, very yeah. for this team. I, I really do hope he can come back and play because I, I liked him when he was balling out, but, um, Jonah Willard. Yeah. So why did you pick the bills to win tomorrow? Against the 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Just a hunch. <laughs> I just looked back as I was like going to screenshot. I can't believe you, you dirty dog. You're going I with just, Josh Allen. I can't. Yeah, I just love Josh Allen so much as all. Well. So, <laughs> Shannon, what about you? I can't believe you. Ready up this? Oh yeah. Huh? Ready up oh. this Grizzlies? I think Vegas is um, on par. I'm going with 29 wins. But just uh, a little more what you said about John Morant. Um, I, I said that I don't, I think he kind of is like nearing his peak with this first season, but still a very very good point guard. Um, I think you put him in the East last season. I think he's definitely in the All Star conversation. But yeah, that's um, it. That I think that's a hundred percent true. He was, yeah. If I remember correctly, he like he was getting some like borderline all star mentions in the West. So yeah, he was, he was, he was, which is very impressive. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely not by any means a bad point guard at all. I just um, I don't really envision him adding a shot to his game, and until he does that, I don't think he can improve a whole lot more than what he already is. And I like what you said too. Just like the pieces in place around him in Memphis, even if he is sort of improving internally, it's going to be hard for like us here to like see that as like an external result, just because I don't really think this Memphis team is suited to maximize his strength because sure. like as somebody who gets so much penetration inside and has a point guard, who's like so explosive and getting to the hoop. It kind of helps to have those um, movable outside pieces where like you have guys coming off of screens or guys who mm-hmm. move a lot without the ball. Whereas like the best shooters on this team, you're like even Dylan Brooks, he's not a great shooter, but he's probably yeah. the best shooter on this team. He's a pretty stationary guy. Like Grayson Allen might only fit the mold. Might only be the only guy <laughs> who fits the mold in terms of like shooters. I'm looking at, um, we'll see what Desmond Bain can do. I actually think he'll have a chance to contribute right away, but yeah, I just think yeah, John Morant's not going to look too much better this year just because of the team in place. Yeah, for sure. Callan, what about you? Ooh, I mean, when let's go 30. 30. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I like Jaw. Jaw's so much fun to watch. Whenever they are on ESPN or like primetime TV, always tuning in for that. Always yeah. tuning in, yes, sir. Both, no, I'm serious. Like, whenever the Grizzlies played on like ESPN or the Pelicans, I would tune in. Because I just like I just wanted to see like Zion and Jaw. Yeah, I need to I need to watch more of Zion actually. To be honest, I, I watched. Like hate, I hate on him without watching him a lot. I yeah. I mean, just that one game. I forget what the exact date of it was, but the one where he like he dominated the Blazers and the one I think he played. I think he might have played two games against the Blazers, but the first one, 
he tore us apart. So, I mean, um, okay. Zion or yeah, Zion. Okay. Yeah. Like if I, you want to start getting impressed by Zion, like he was pretty solid against us. He got, was being guarded by Carmelo Anthony for much of that game. And oh, that's right. And, but Carmelo Anthony had that little highlight against him. He gave him the old school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that was good. I kind of, I forgot about that play, but yeah. Zion, but awesome. he, no, he like, was. there was, I forget what game it was. I watched it and he, he missed like three, like three putbacks and rebounded all of them and then finally got it to go down. And then he got an and one or something. Like, yeah. I mean, the second jump is kind of his claim to fame. So those are definitely what he excels at. What team do you guys want to hit next? Uh, we can just go T Wolves. I'm actually not really sure how I feel about the T Wolves. Yeah, me too. So D-Lo. deloading. I'm not. Um, wait, they drafted Anthony Edwards, right? Oh, uh, correct. I don't. I don't really think he's going to work out in the NBA. After I, I kind of had high hopes for him based on what people were describing him as and like some of the stuff I saw, but um, just his attitude just seems terrible. And the Timberwolves are not a, the type of place that's going to change that. You know what I mean? And also, absolutely heartbreaking. I don't know if you guys have heard about Cat losing seven family members to COVID, including his mom. Um, and apparently, he's not at all in like a good headspace. And so, I'm not going to make any like Wait. predictions, but I'm not sure how that's going to translate. Where's to his the family season. from? I'm not sure. I think they. Seven? I think they probably live in Minnesota. Yeah, seven family members died, but. Holy yeah, so I'm not God. sure he's going to be ready to play basketball at the beginning of the season, or if we'll see. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Holy That's how say if we'll see him suit up again or not. But wow, yeah, his mom too, dude. Yeah, that his mom. I think was like right that was a while ago, right? The restart was yeah. Jesus, That's, That's insanity! Bad. Oh my god. So Maybe yeah, that in sense. combination with the Edwards attitude issues i i don't see them stepping forwards at all this season and delo's amazing shot selection yeah <laughs> do you want to put a win win total on that channel uh i'm probably gonna go with uh i'm teens yeah i'm thinking 19 wow that i mean if is that I, generous no that's pro- that's probably about as bold as you've gotten on this pick so far, <laughs> he but picked I like nineteen. It. You picked nineteen for the Cavs, right? Me? I think Shannon picked nineteen for the Cavs or something. Yo, I, I mean, might have. I picked I like think... twelve for the Cavs. If Carl think... Anthony Towns is able to somehow just like, Block I don't know him. how you even move past that in your life, like losing yeah. seven family members. But if he's able to return to an All Star player, they're going to win more than nineteen games, one hundred percent. But I just have a hard time seeing that happen. So I hadn't even really been thinking about like what you were saying with the family members like that hadn't even crossed my radar, but that is concerning where I was concerned with is the uh, performance of this team, even if Carl Anthony Towns is performing at an all-star level. And I kind of want to explain why, and it's something that's been a detriment in the past. And I think it's going to be even more so this year. So the Wolves, the Timberwolves this offseason and going back to the trade deadline when they acquired Russell have put a lot of eggs in the perimeter um, creation basket, which is what bad teams with no nucleus sh- should do. And 
<laughs> I actually believe that the Wolves have a fairly solid nucleus in Carl Anthony Towns, who I think is a really good player. I actually am probably higher on Carl Anthony Towns than the um, median um, of NBA viewers. But anyway, so they brought in D'Angelo Russell at the trade deadline. They drafted um, Anthony Edwards, who has the ball a lot. They um, traded for Malik Beasley, who's not a guy who's a huge perimeter creator, although he does have that as a secondary skill to lean back on. But he's also a black hole. Like, he shoots the ball a lot. Like, he's going to immediately be wanting, like, probably 15 shots a game. Anthony Edwards is going to be wanting 15 to 20 shots a game. D'Lo is going to be wanting about 20 shots a game. And I am – and Ricky Rubio, another guy who they brought in, which we I'm going to hit on that later because that was just mind-boggling to me. But I just have a hard time seeing their best player touching the ball very often, which is a huge concern for me because Carl Anthony Towns is by far their best player. Oh, yeah. And he's like not saying that this is a Timberwolves plan, but what's going to be the end reality is that Carl Anthony Towns is going to be like third in the pecking order on offense. And he's going to be the third to eat just because Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and the guys bringing the ball up the court are going to be looking to score for themselves first. And so I'm just, it just is like extremely concerning to me. Just like, even if Carl Anthony Towns, like I hadn't even thought about him, like not being ready for the season, but even if he is ready and even if he is playing like he was last year, which was very good, especially in the first month of the season, even if he's at that level, it's just, I don't know how he fits on this team, which is like, yeah. LaMelo ball makes so much more sense for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is what I was about to hit on. And I've said this on the podcast before. Uh, Why is D'Angelo Russell so good that you're going to pass on LaMelo ball just to fit around (laughs) D'Angelo Russell? Like he doesn't have that much doubt. It's like, he's such a sacred cow that they couldn't pick the best player in the draft. And they had to (laughs) settle for Anthony Edwards. And then they traded for a point guard who was making $18 million a year in Ricky Rubio. So like D'Angelo Russell is so good that you can't draft LaMelo ball, but then you're just going to trade for Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Just makes no sense to me, but I mean, yeah. So yeah, in the end, I think this team does have a lot of talent specifically on the offensive end. I'm actually going to pick them to win 30 games, which I think that's a little bit, on the high side to be honest as we're talking about it but i don't know there are a lot of teams in the western conference who i think i'm giving too many wins to like i felt that way about the timberwolves and the rockets and the warriors to an extent and so and um there aren't many teams who i think i'm giving too too little wins to so yeah that was a part of it for me is like looking at like all the teams in the top how many wins they ha- I'm have them getting is like I just don't see a lot of wins left for the war- for the Timberwolves for the yeah. Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, for either. No, but uh, yeah, and I just think, um, like you have to remember, like NBA players are human, and like losing seven family members is going to do a lot to a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, think I think that if Cat and D'Lo get it rolling, and if Edwards is like surprises people i think that they could surprise people and get like maybe 37 but considering everything that's happened i'm gonna have to go probably with like 27 27 yeah that's a good pick yeah yeah i mean like jonah said there definitely is a lot of talent there it's just 
if Anthony Edwards pans out and yeah. decides to just show up, like despite having pretty piss poor attitude, like can you? I can't even imagine getting drafted number one, bro. Or and like then saying like, I don't even like saying like, and then saying like, if I was a, if, if I could play football, like I would. Like who <laughs> even says that? Like what are you doing, dude? You just yeah. got a bag, and you I don't know. So that's pretty bad. I mean, his highlights, though, he single-handedly – I forget who they were playing, Michigan State or something. I think I mentioned that before. And mm-hmm. he – knocking down three balls, driving. I mean, he's kind of a force, but – Yeah, we'll see. All right, so uh, along with Houston, Oklahoma City is one of the teams where I actually have to remind myself who actually is on their team. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just about to say I don't think – besides Steven Adams, but he's gone. Yeah, it's just been such an overhaul. Obviously, the core is Shea Gilgis, Alexander. There are other two young guys who theoretically they would be considering future pieces, Lugans, Dort, and Darius Baisley. <gasps> and they have they have a good group of veterans who presumably they'll be looking to trade. George Hill, I actually like him a lot. I think he makes sense for quite a few teams. Trevor Ariza and Al Horford. And then they've just got... Behind them, they've got Ty Jerome, Hamadou Diallo, Frank Jackson, Justin Jackson, TJ Leaf, Admiral Schofield, Kendrick Williams, Mike Muscala. Just not a whole lot to be excited about. Yeah. In terms of rookies, they've got Lexi Pokashevsky, who they took. Um, was it? No, it must have been like it was seven, 17 overall was when they took Pokashevsky. Dude, they didn't get help really with their draft picks. Well, I mean, that was their highest pick, or what? Well, yeah, but this is just kind of that was the tip of the iceberg. Like, they've got, I think, like 18 or 20 picks before 2016. So they're, they're just getting started with the whole draft game. But, um, yeah, we'll see what Alexei Pokashevsky turns out to be. But did you like him? I didn't. I didn't really watch very much of him, partly because he played in the Greek third league, which happens to be the same league Giannis came out of. But, the quality of competition is worse than Channon's City League team. So, oh, dude, put me in that league, baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd probably, you'd probably have a chance to put up some numbers in that league. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, just not. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on Alexei Pokashevsky. I think he's kind of a high risk, high reward guy, just because seven footers who have like shooting skills and ball handling skills. Like, if those players pan out, it's just as such a crazy like unicorn kind of player where it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity, but he's playing an extremely low level of competition and he's seven one one ninety. So there's just oh geez, yeah, he's so like in all in all likelihood, like he's never gonna be able to work out in the NBA. So I just thought like for a team that has as many high draft or for a team that has the draft capital that OKC has, you might as well take those big swings on guys who have a lot of upside. But I personally like I mean and ask this to any NBA scout and I'll give you the same answer that like the majority, if you played his career a hundred times, like he probably is out of the league in five years and like 75% of those scenarios. So that's kind of where I land on Alexei Pokashevsky. Congrats on 400 followers. Side note. Yeah. Bianca made that post. She's like, I have to do something. I'm like, dude, okay. yeah, that's dope, dude. That's dope. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. I, 
I actually, a lot of people are saying this OKC team is just going to suck and it's going to be the worst team in the NBA. And I don't think that's true. I actually got Lou the tank on your side, bro. Yeah, and I actually think if you run this play 50 times a game, you can be okay. And that is the Shea Gill, just Alexander, Al Horford pick and roll. Like, I actually think oh, that's pretty effective. And then you surround <laughs> that with like Trevor Ariza, George Hill, just kind of some veterans who know like how to win and are actually like, solid role players i just don't i i mean those guys are going to be traded i just don't think this team is like i don't think it's that bad to be honest which yeah a lot of people seem to i do think i do think if the thunder start playing too good some of those guys will either be out the door or sitting on the bench like sam presti has not been shy about what his intentions are so i think that that puts a definite cap on the amount of games this team will win. It won't be a situation like last year where everybody thinks the Thunder are going to suck and everybody thinks they're going to be trading away their good players. And then they end up hanging on to Chris Paul and Gallo and making the playoffs. Like this year is not going to be like last year was for the Thunder. This yeah. is going to be a legitimate tank here. But I think they actually have some solid pieces that are going to prevent them from being among the worst teams in the NBA. So I've got them at 25 wins. I think they're going to go 25 and 47. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to have a big year going to surprise some people, maybe even going to find his way. I don't think he'll be in like my top three for most improved player, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up in that conversation. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I do think Shea's going to have a big year. And um, I didn't even think about the horror for pick and roll. And again, we don't know what's going to happen. I think players are going to be moving around a lot, obviously. We know that. Um, I was going to put him at 24 wins. Yeah, that sounds good. And I actually think of all the players that they could move, of all the veterans and stuff like that, Al Horford might be the least likely just because of the yeah. contract he's on. He might not be like as appealing to continuing teams as mm-hmm. like a Trevor Reza or George Hill would be. I saw this trade on Twitter and I think it makes a ton of sense. George Hill to the Clippers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because he would solve a lot of their perimeter yeah. problems. Damn, like they really and him and Paul have chemistry. I forgot about that. Yeah, they really struggled when um, Patrick Beverly was on the bench, and so I think bringing in a guy like George Hill would help with that. And I mean, Kawhi Leonard said it himself: like the Lake or the Clippers need a better point guard who can actually play a little bit with the ball in his hands. And for all that Patrick Beverly's good at, he's mostly just a spot shooter on offense. So George Hill could just kind of fill that role for him, and then they'd they would give the Thunder Lou Williams, who actually could be traded again because Lou Williams, I'm sure. Or it could be a three-team trade as well. Like Lou Williams, there are teams who would want him. And then the Thunder could take on – I don't think the salary would work if they took on Terrence Mann, but maybe Mafondu Kabangle. And if Terrence Mann was that important to the Thunder, they could take him as well. But I think it would have to be Kabangle if we're talking about young players. But, yeah, just an interesting sort of destination for George Hill. I probably shouldn't spend so much time on stuff. That's complete speculation. But I just thought that – I just, how old is George Hill? Yeah. Is he? I have no idea. I would guess in his early 30s. Yeah, I think think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I think he has a lot left in the tank. I mean, he had one of his best seasons to date last year on the Bucks. So I think he's still a very good player. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go with Vegas on this one. I don't really know. 25 wins. Sure. Okay. Bro, we should talk about. Is the Spurs and the Kings the last ones left? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah, I freaking love watching the like just like highlights of videos of um freaking uh oh my god 
Dion Fox? No. Buddy Heald? <laughs> Why am I spacing on him? Uh, Popovich. Oh. <laughs> He's so funny. He is funny, yeah. He's hilarious, dude. They're the, the ESPN did like a whole highlight thing on like him just messing with guys. It's so funny. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, why don't we start off? Yeah, at least talk about the Spurs. Who's on the Spurs? Yeah, so I actually think this is a pretty interesting team. The backcourt, Derek White and DeJounte Murray, who... Oh, yeah, DeJounte. I actually think both of those guys have a chance to be improved this year. They've also got Patty Mills coming off the bench and Lonnie Walker. I think Patty Mills is a prime contender to be moved. At forwards, they've got DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kelton Johnson, who I think is promising. He had a rookie season last year, and he didn't play much, but in the bubble, he actually got some run, and he impressed me on defense when he was in the game. And Lucas Hamnett, who I really haven't formed an opinion on, spent the entire um, year in the G League with the Austin Spurs, and from what I've heard about him, he kind of struggled down there quite a bit, turned the ball over a lot, played a lot with the ball in his hands, which will not be his role once he's... Who? The 18, Luka Samanich. Was that like a draft and stash? No. Well, in, no, not really. Um, he was their draft pick in 2019, but he played the year with the G League team just because um, as long as Greg Popovich is with the Spurs, they're not going to be rebuilding. They're going to be playing the best players on the roster and trying to win as many games as possible. And then at center is when it really starts to get spicy. You've got Yaka Pertl. And then you've got Drew Eubanks. Yes, sir. <laughs> Drewby. Yeah, so pretty loaded center rotation there. <laughs> Actually, in all, in all seriousness, I like those two guys a lot, Drew Eubanks and Yaka Pertl. I think they're both very Pac-12 boys. Yeah, true. Yaka Pertl at Utah. That's a good point. So, yeah. Um, I guess my opinion on this team, like, I like them quite a bit, especially if DeJounte Murray takes the next step to where he can actually be on the court on offense. We saw it in the bubble. Derek White's scheme has evolved quite a bit. Greg Popovich seems to have a rule where unless you're a 40% three-point shooter, or at least like a high 30s on high volume kind of guy, you're not shooting three-pointers at all. And that was Derek White during the regular season. He just was pretty much strictly driving to the basket, playing in pick and roll, or being like an off-ball attacking closeouts and maybe shoot one or two threes in the game. In the bubble, he was shooting seven or eight threes a game, coming off of movement. And he was coming off of screens, like taking a pretty high, like pretty high level shots. And he was hitting them with consistency, which makes me very excited to see Derek this year. And I talked about it with Shea, but I think Derek is actually a guy who will be even higher in my most improved player rankings. I think with increased responsibility. And I actually do think he's getting quite a bit better. I think he'll have a breakout year. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to see them move on from one of DeRozan or Aldridge. I just think those two guys cramp up the spacing so much. Like sure, LaMarcus started to shoot threes, but if you're going to play him as a power forward, like the low amount of threes he was shooting, like that's still not enough. If you're going to have like a Pirtle or a Eubanks on the floor. So I just think the offensive theory of the young guys meshed with the old guard of um, DeRozan and Aldridge just doesn't make too much sense on this team. But I do like some of the young pieces they have going forward. And I do think they'll be solid this year. I actually happen to like them a little bit better than like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. I think they're kind of the best of the rest. I actually have them at 35 wins. I'm pretty high. Oh, wow. Okay. So 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think it's pretty hard to doubt um, a team coached by the staff that the Spurs are coached by and how proven the coaching mm-hmm. staff is. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I agree with you. I think Derek White is going to take a step forward. I actually like him a lot. And um, even if they don't end up moving LaMarcus or DeRozan, they're still two solid players enough to get regular season wins, especially under the staff, like I said. So um, I'm not quite as high as Jonah, but I do think um, they're definitely like the best of the bad teams, if you will. But um, I was going to put them at 33 wins. Yeah. Callum? I think they could go 500. Okay, nice. Like they could go 500, or that's your prediction for them? I think that they. I think they can win 36. Nice. Jonah, can you please explain to me what we were talking about last time? So if you're at 38 and 36, you're only a game over 500. Yeah. Because if you lost one game, it would be a one game decrease in the win column, which would bring you down to 37, and a one game increase in the loss column, which would bring you up to 37. So one game could change your record to 500, you know? Okay. That blew the first time you said that it blew my mind. <laughs> okay. Cause like the way I think about it is if you're at 37 and 36, that's like a game above 500, but I get it's not. Yeah. That would be half a game above 500. Got it. Ah, uh, yes, sir. Okay. I understand now. Yeah. Now for the Sacramento Kings. That's I think the Warriors open up their season against them. Or no, they open up season against the Jazz. Kind of, wait, just to be really off topic for one second. It's kind of crazy like how much like even dating back to like elementary school, like sports have helped me in school. Like math and like in college like pretty much I've just been able to breathe through like all my economics classes just like based off what I know about the NBA and how like contracts and stuff work. That's lit. Yeah, I don't know enough about the NBA for that to help me. But like really, that, but like Chan, back when I was in like elementary school, like I nailed my times tables just because I could like add up two pointers and three pointers. And like, oh, really? That's lit. <laughs> like sports, if you if you're into sports, it does have some practical applications. Oh stuff. yeah, like I, I I probably everybody can say this, but. Like sevens was my best. Yeah, because just adding up touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> seven was the best. Yeah, especially especially as an Oregon Duck fan growing growing up, you probably <laughs> knew you probably knew it all the way up to like sixty three or seven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, like when we played Colorado mm-hmm. or something, or like Utah State, they would score like seventy three points, bro. Seventy two. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So last team, you guys, the Sacramento Kings. Okay. Um, I love De'Aaron Fox. Um, so Buddy Heald never left. Isn't there a beef there with the coach? Uh, well, now that it, it's funny that you should say that, because now now that he's staying, it turns out he never wanted a trade all along. So it, it turns out that entire thing was just misinformation. That And he only, he only cared to point that out after it was already evident that he was not going anywhere. So it's, it's, it's all good on the buddy heel front. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I No, in um, all seriousness, buddy does not want to be there. Just, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, they still have what Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. There's some, I don't feel like there's a whole lot to talk about. They gotta, I feel like they're a long ways away from being a playoff team. 
De'Aaron's very rich man now. Yes, he is. Yep. And I think he can definitely be part of a very winning team, but I don't think it's this one. I was glad they locked them down. And I like how they were able to get all five years without a player option, which was something uh, Boston and Utah failed to do. And I think, no, Bam didn't get a player option. Bam got the elevator language, but he didn't get a player option. So that's different. But I liked how the, I liked how they locked him down to five years without a player option. He's going to be a king for the foreseeable future. And the Kings are a team who I've actually gotten to think about a lot recently because um, I play my sister in NBA 2K and with her favorite player being Hassan Whiteside, she's been anxious to get in some runs with the Sacramento Kings. So <laughs> I've kind of been learning the strengths and weaknesses of their roster. And Do you so, have 2K21? Yeah. Is that the only game you play? Yeah. But I don't I don't have a new console or anything. So I play 2K21 on a Xbox One. So I don't know. I'll probably have to get it next year. I just I, play a P I would just play on PS4. I'm probably yeah. not gonna get PS5 till next year too. Yeah. I don't yeah, really I'll probably get it like next summer or whatever. But I don't know. I haven't really thought that far ahead. But anyway, in terms of going just say wing back to real basketball, I think the Kings have I really was looking forward to seeing them going back to running the basketball, getting up and down the court fast, just throwing it down teams' throats. Because in 2018, 2019, they surprised a lot of people and were the ninth seed in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was because Fox and Heald ran the floor fast and got like low-hanging fruit and got easy shots. And just yeah. teams weren't prepared to deal with that on a night-in, night-out basis. And... And Chan, can you, can you help me out here? Do, do you remember what the name of that coach was? It was like Igor. No, something. I don't. It was like Igor. Like here, I'll look it up. But anyway, they brought in Luke Walton, and he completely changed this the way this team operated. Like they were a much half court heavy team, which like doesn't suit De'Aaron Fox's style at all. Because I do yeah. think I do think he can play make and his speed and his quickness do help him out. But to maximize the skill set, you've got to be running in transition. And mm-hmm. I was encouraged when they brought in Tyrese Halliburton because Tyrese is another guy who is most comfortable passing and running in full court. And he's a spacer, or and he's a spacer, which helps around Fox because even though Fox is a capable shooter, he's not a high volume guy, and he is a guy who would much rather probe and get into the paint. So it helps to have those um, gravitational forces around him to kind of keep the defense from collapsing on him when he gets inside. And then, so that all was good. I loved the Tyrese Halliburton pick. That was one of the steals of the of the draft, in my opinion. Um, the part I wasn't so sure with was a how they took so long to use their money. Well, they didn't really use their money. They signed some guys to a minimum contract, but I didn't. I liked the value of it. Like they got some good deals. They went bargain bin hunting and they found some guys like Hassan Whiteside, like Glenn Robinson, like Frank Kaminsky, who are probably, well, Frank Kaminsky aside, the other two are probably better than minimum deals and they got them on minimum contracts. So good work there. I just don't think they fit very well with this team. Like I, like when they had Willie Colley Stein, it was awesome because Willie Colley Stein could run the floor with Fox, with Heald and having that center, that rim runner, yeah, like that, that team just, was so electric. That was so fun. Yeah, it was so electric, like Shannon was saying. Hassan Whiteside just doesn't really run the court like that anymore. And, yeah. And so I think this uh, team, I think this team is counting on Marvin Bagley to stay healthy 
And I just think that's a big if. I think Rashawn Holmes is slightly better than Hassan, and he would fit with this team. To be sure, I'm a big Hassan fan. I just don't love his fit on this team with the Fox. Definitely. So Hassan, Hassan would yeah, have been better on the Lakers, honestly. That would have been a good fit to me. Yeah, or the Charlotte Hornets was when I was yeah. hoping he would end up with. I'm going to pick the Kings to go 32 and 40. Okay. Bro, Jonah. Yeah. Our boy Justin had a tough day today. Oh, he did? Yeah. They lost 45 to 0 against the Pats. Oh, no. Yeah. And my predictions really fell off this week, I feel like. No, yeah, mine did too. But I'm doing like that Fox Super 6 thing, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did okay today because I picked like the Giants winning, and I feel like not a lot of people picked that. Yeah. Yeah, the Seahawks. That's the highlight of my day. Whenever they lose, it's always a good day. But I'm going to go with – I think they'll win 30 games. 30? Okay, that's a good pick. I'm actually going to roll with Vegas at 29. Nice. Oh. i got to give out some L's in the West. I gave yeah. a lot of them to Minnesota. I can't. But. <laughs> I've never been more excited for NBA season to start. Same All right. For sure. Yeah, so that's the Western Conference. Before we leave – I actually had two things, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, what's up? Um, for Kellen, he ended up with the Hornets and the Hawks tied for the eight seed. So I was just curious, which which of these two juggernauts do you want representing the Eastern Conference <laughs> eight seed? Uh, uh, probably the Hawks. Yeah, okay, that's Good what thing. I have for you. Yeah, so we were pretty much in lockstep with the Eastern Conference. I'll figure out how it lined up for us in the West. Um so I think we're going to record again on Thursday, if that's okay with you, Kellen. I know yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, that's the thing. Chan, you're not going to be there, right? Right, yeah. When do you think is your – are you going to be available at any point before the start of the season? Me? Yeah. When does the season start? The, uh, the 22nd. 22nd. Oh, oh, yeah, not preseason. Yeah, my bad. Um, 22nd is – oh, damn. No, I won't be back until – uh, Are you there for the holidays? Twenty second. No, I'm just I'm I'm, be, I'm I'm coming back on Monday. Okay. Um. Well, I guess we're probably gonna have to do our individual award. Or wait, no, no, no. I'm super tripping. I'm super tripping. I'm going. No, 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 no. I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be back on. I can do Thursday the seventeenth. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was tripping. Oh. Okay. Wait. So. Um. Which one, which, which show would you rather be on Shannon? Would you rather like be on the show where we like fill out our playoff brackets or on a show where we do individual predictions, or we could try to stuff those all into like one big podcast. And then this Thursday when Wesley comes on, we could just do a podcast that exclusively focuses on the Blazers. And so it would be like Shannon's already talked about the Blazers. So you can't do that without me, dude. Okay. Okay. We won't do it without you. So I've kind of said a lot of that. Yeah. Just when when you do NBA episode, just have somebody else knowledgeable in the NBA talk about it. Like come on with you because talking to me is like talking to a brick wall. Like I don't even know. I mean, like I'm going to be following the Warriors really close, but besides that, I can't really converse. I think talking to you is like talking to Aisha Curry. 
Probably, yeah. <laughs> but um, do you still want to do one on Thursday? 100%. Then? Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think my buddy Wesley is going to come on. So we'll just, I'll, we'll, I'll ask Wesley what he wants to talk about. And- Actually, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm talking to me is <laughs> talking to Aisha Curry because Aisha Curry and me can probably name the entire roster, but could not tell you how or why they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you do, if the Blazers is the best thing for you to talk about, you can do that. I've already said a lot about them, but yeah, I'm sure we would talking about the Blazers be better than those other two options of individual awards and postseason predictions. Like which one of those would you rather? I'm do? probably more capable of like, if Shannon's not either here, I'm probably the most capable of making individual award predictions. And Shannon, definitely you'll have your predictions heard on the pod. Like if anything, you can just text me what they are and I'll be, okay, sure, cool. everybody, I'll be sure everybody knows. Okay. I can do that for sure. If you have, if you have any already figured out, you can say right now. Cause no, I got to think about it. I got to okay, think about it. Yeah, for sure. I think okay. MVP. Uh, so MVP I guess it will toss up. Be it'll toss. be individual awards on Thursday. And then next time Shannon's on, whenever that is, we'll fill out our brackets and then maybe do some more blazer specific previewing. Cool. Me, Sounds good. Me and Sheridan t- tomorrow night are gonna do a, a one after the war after the Niner game. Nice. So we're either gonna be really happy or extremely depressed. It's either Wait, gonna is, be one or the other. Game. Like if they lose this, are they out of the playoffs? Mm, no, but it it's gonna help a ton because like the Seahawks lost to the Bills, and so like if we beat the Bills, that's good. So. Um, I'll, I'll update the spreadsheet and then I'll send it to you like at midnight. Okay. Perfect. And then I'll make another post thing for like the Western conference and then I'll okay. make it so you can, I'll make two posts. Cause I'll, I'll fix like the Raptors one. Cause I accidentally made that for 82 game season. Okay. Oh, I'll text you this too. So you don't forget, but I updated my Raptors record. And then I can make one for the NBA play. I can do it for like the standings too, that you predict. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm thinking about making like an, um, I'm thinking about like aggregating all of our standings and making one like big all gear no game standings where it's like the average of our three predictions. Yeah, that's so, sick. Just the, the West was definitely well. Honestly, it might not be that different because our it's all so close. You know, like the yeah. game difference. Our East, we were it, the East is so boring though because yeah. We're agreeing, but there is a, there's a little bit of disagreement in the Western yeah. Conference. That's a but, good thing, though. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Mostly just due to like it being so close and like. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. This was a fun one. Thank you, you guys. For sure. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Good night. Right. Peace Have out, fun. my boys. Have my fun. boys. Good luck with your teacher and stuff. Oh, thanks. I'm gonna get her fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.